Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Thursday, May 28th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh as we put the fun in functional sports content on another Thursday morning. Hey, Kevin, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, for the next last month, I have been saying the devil is in the details, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like all happy. Yeah, sports is coming back. Yeah, let's make an agreement. Let's put families in a bubble for three months. Like like that's something that you and I would go for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's interesting. This push to get, you know, quote unquote, normalcy back is mm. so strong that I think we're glossing over like what we're actually asking players, teams, families, you know, Uh, food and cleaning staff of these hotels to actually do. Now, I understand we're coming back, right? And you can see it here, even in New York, we are sort of turning the page. We talked about, you know, Governor Cuomo opening up for business. Even in New York City, you start to hear more sounds of liveliness. Mm. But I think, you know, Major League Baseball and the NBA, I saw some things yesterday that are perfect examples of this. And Kevin, I keep on talking about the devil is in the details, most notably in Major League Baseball, right? Well, we have been talking about how are they going to share the pain, share the losses. We know by now what Blake Snell came out and said that there was going to be a proposal. Well, from what I'm hearing, the, uh, you know, the Players Association is like mortified by what the players' proposal last was about how they share this, calling the cuts absolutely, quote-unquote, massive that Mm. they were taking. And I got something of a framework here, you know, from social media, and it kind of is, relatively speaking. Check this out, Kevin. If you were making, like, $35 million, which is obviously the very top of the food chain, Mm -hmm. remember what players thought they had agreed on in March was if they play half the season... They get half their money, right? So if you make $35 million, which I understand is like Mike Trout, top of the food chain kind of money, you yeah. would think half of that is what? Like $17, 18000000 million. No, no, no. In this proposal, you'd make seven. Okay, a player making 10 million, which is, you know, uh, a part of the median for players. Right. So they thought half the games, half the money. You think a player making 10 million would get five. No, no, no. Sounds like they're going to get 2.9. Okay. And then a player making a million. Right. Mm. Um, You would think half a million. Right. No, no, no. They're going to be more around four hundred thirty thousand. So you see the scale, right? The lower paid guys would take, you know, the 50 percent plus sum. You get to the high ends of the spectrum. We're talking about, you know, taking like a 70, 80 percent cut in your salary. Now, I ask you, you know, that's cool. And you're like, oh, yeah, they're still making seven, eight million dollars. But. I hate to say it, but they got bills to pay and they are accustomed to a certain life. And, you know, if you cut half of your salary, cool, you understood that. But then mm-hmm. another 30% comes at some point, even at the astronomical numbers that we are talking, you know, this does make you kind of take a, a double take. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this proposal? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what it stands to mean on if there's going to be baseball this year. Yeah, I mean, let's just set the record straight on this, right? Because there's a lot of people out there go, man, I'd take $7 million to go play baseball. Right. Yeah, but you didn't earn $7 million, right. let alone the $35 million. So what Johnny, you know, Couch Potato would do to go and make that money is totally irrelevant. These people have earned these paychecks. That's if why that's their salary. A year, right? If you're making $50,000 a year and your boss said already, because of the pandemic, we're cutting everybody in half, okay? Because you're not going to have as many shifts to work or whatever. You're cutting half. And you're like, oh, wow, I got a deal off 25K. And then they say, you know what? Nah, nah, nah. We didn't realize it was going to be this much. Instead of going from 50 to 25, you're really only going to make 15. Well, at some point, you're like, oh, snap, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills off of this, right? And, I mean, we're talking about crazy numbers, but, you know, it's it's still in play in the same way, right, Kev? 
Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the life that they've afforded for themselves. And it's also just about kind of knowing your worth. And, and, and that is a big part of this. Like, because at the end of the day, there are financial sacrifices being made by all. Like, the idea that them going from a $35 million contract that is guaranteed for a season, right, to half of it, off the bat, like, they were cool with it, is already a massive leap being made. This, though, is a situation that the major league, uh, you know, the players association is really, really going to have to be, you know, smart about handling because this is craftsmanship from the higher ups in baseball. That's right. What you're trying to do Frame it the narrative here. Yeah. You're trying to put the higher paid players up against the lower paid, right? Where mm-hmm. basically if the higher paid don't take their cuts, right. Which some of them can afford to do, right? Like for say Blake Snell, like you know what, man, I ain't showing up. Right. They are. They can afford to not take their cuts. Now the guy who was, as you mentioned, right, only going to say make that million dollars. Not only now doesn't get the four hundred and thirty thousand on this completely shifted around schedule, but he now goes and gets nothing potentially. Right. And that's where you now are going to have this whole big back and forth. And they're trying to pit the almost two sides against one another, which now is up to the Players Association to understand that that is not an acceptable avenue to be taking uh, to be taking place. Yeah, you know, and I hear you remember in, in, in previous weeks when we talked about even the NBA and it was like 75 percent of players want to play. I remember asking you, what if you're in that 25 percent for valid reasons? You know, the idea of. You know, this is a union, the players' union, right? And so I can see if these proposals, like you said, are somewhat designed to drive a wedge between your high-end players and your low-end players, your your, your younger players and your veteran players. It's going to be tough for the union to represent all of their players and understand, right? But they're figuring, I guess, like, hey, where can I actually get a legitimate chunk of this revenue back? It's not from, you know, your utility middle infielder. Right. It's from Garrett Cole's salary. It's from Manny Machado's salary. That's where you can actually make hay in terms of, you know, hiding your losses. You know, and and Kevin, we talked about this, right? If they want to play in early July, right? We all know they're gonna need what, two, three weeks of spring training and warm-up or what have you. So the clock is ticking, Kevin, for them to actually you know, come to an agreement, I would call it, you know, in the next week or two, they have to come to an agreement if they're going to have the runway of training camp for an early July kind of, you know, opening day and start to the season, if they want to have a valid amount of games to crown a champion, which we've all talked about as like half the season, they need to get this done in the next week or two. The ship may sail. Can I, can I ask you, and, and, and maybe, you know, this is more so wishful thinking, right? But with Major League Baseball and the amount of games that they have to play, right? Like, can they really afford a three-week spring training of meaningless baseball games? Like, are they not better served? Now, now you have to be cautious, right? Because if I basically say, listen, all of these games count, right, from jump, it's dangerous because then now everybody's jumping right. back in. But basically, if they, for player safety, mm-hmm. capped pitch limits and and you know inning limits on players as a whole now some might say listen that's unfair to do and have those games count towards the standings right the counter to that though would simply be everybody is playing by these rules and this is how you try and come out and you know again take advantage of what is a very bare market when it comes to what's on tv i just think right now too like part of this issue is something we talked a little bit a a while back about though dane is the idea that they should be satisfied with only 82 games and that they should not be trying to figure out a schedule that can actually help them you know maybe get close to satisfying tv contracts right i i hear you Will, will they jump right in i don't think so um because here's the problem in my opinion Um, you do that just like in, we've talked about in the NBA, just like we've talked about in other sports, you're going to see a rash of hamstring pulls. You're going to see a rash of, you know, uh, those kinds of injuries, you know, uh, pulls and, 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 and strains and sprains. Mm. And that's a piece. And I hate to say it. That's a piece also that has to be collectively bargained and the union, the players are going to say, no. You put us right out there from jump. We've been in our homes for three months, and all of a sudden it counts. Like, that is a risk to my health. 
And that, like, mm -hmm. forget about the virus, right? That's a risk yeah. to my career. That's a risk to me as an athlete. And that's the kinds of things that unions are there for, right? To protect against this. That was another detail element that will need to be agreed upon and collectively bargained. And I'm damn sure that the players in the unions will want there to be a runway, not only for injuries, but so that they can be in tip-top shape so they don't defecate the mattress in the first mm -hmm. week of the season. Yeah, and I got to think, you know, I just wonder for baseball specifically, right? Like, basically, they're probably going to broad. maybe I'm wrong here, but they're probably going to broadcast those spring training games, which yeah. if they do, there's going to be eyes on them. And yeah, there, right. were people, there were people betting on spring training games while there were other options out there. So oh, there's yeah. people betting on them. I just wonder if there's a risk that baseball loses its allure a little bit by having those kind of be the return to baseball type of uh, situation. Like maybe they're almost better doing those the, the spring training games, which are, are probably necessary, right? Because you do want to avoid, you know, think about the situation we saw uh, in the Bundesliga with Giovanni Reina that right. first came back in the training, sure. picks up the injury. You absolutely want to avoid those. I'm also just trying to think about here in a way to where the, you know, Major League Baseball makes sure that their product is as good as possible when they see it return. Because that is also something that they have to be – because whether it's spring training or not, people are dying for right. their sports back. So whether – you can say, like, yeah, it's an exhibition game. If people are, I believe, I believe, will show up in droves to watch it because there's no difference between opening day and spring training game one from a fan perspective. So right. the atmosphere is all the same. Gary Sanchez ain't running out balls either way. Like, <laughs> you got to be you got to be very cautious in your approach here to maximize what is still to a degree an opportunity. Yeah, I, um, I think you're absolutely right. Therein lies the rub, and therein lies why both sides of these labor forces, right, the owners and the players, they have to agree on these things. I think you have, um, you know, adequately laid out the concerns on each side, right? The idea of the players will want time to practice, to be ready to represent themselves well and be in game shape. The owners will want, you know, uh, the the money, the revenue, the attention from those games. And But I don't think, Kevin, that the spring training 2.0 will be such a compromised product for the public that there's a risk to people like walking away from the baseball season. I don't think necessarily that is going to happen. But as I continue to mention, Kevin, the devil is in the details. We talked about MLS, right? And how they may do a round robin tournament, how what cities they're going to be in. You know, we've talked about this in a number of sports. Another one we've talked about is the NBA. And when we come back on the other side of the break, Kevin, we're going to dive into this as well. Because listen, my thesis, as you know, is that as we get further and further down the path, you know, and you actually have to finalize these details, it gets a little harder. Now, remember, Spencer Dinwiddie was talking about July 15th on Good Word. It's July 15th. We're hearing now it may be another day down in the past and also some details that they're going to have to figure out. We'll talk about them and more when we come back. We're off and running. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the early line on SportsGrid. I mean, Kevin, it is so interesting, you know. We're going to talk a little bit with our guy George Kurtz later on about this NHL proposal that people are starting to see. We've been talking about MLS potentially doing a round-robin World Cup-style tournament, other sports that are coming back. We talked about the kind of back and forth and the, the bad look of Major League Baseball, how the owners are trying to squeeze every little penny out of the players, and reasonable people can disagree on that. But listen, the NBA is not without its details to still work out, right, Kev? One was this idea of when we would get started. And I remember mm -hmm. you telling me, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie had the, had the code, was Zoom bombing maybe the league office or whatever it was. <laughs> and he was saying through his sources that it was July 15th. We're now hearing maybe that's pushed back July 22nd. Um, and then I think the idea of what this will look like, play-in tournaments, regular season games or not, we still don't have 100% clarity on that either, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're really right now um, starting to kind of get into the weeds of how the NBA will actually do this. I think with the more information that coming out, I think it shows that we are getting closer to some type of a decision. Uh, sure. Sam Amico of Amico Hoops, very credible NBA reporter, was the one who mentioned July 22nd. I don't okay. know if there's some coincidence to this being on a Wednesday for both of those rumored dates. I don't necessarily yeah. – the NBA, to me, doesn't seem all too relevant to – well, Wednesday, but it's weird. It's like movies come out on a Friday, albums drop on a Tuesday. You know, and who knows? We restart our leagues on Wednesdays. I there you go. There <laughs> um, you go. But yeah, so uh, which is pretty interesting. But there's also a lot to do right now about how the NBA is going to actually restart this, and what that means is, you know, uh, we saw the NHL kind of announce their plan. We'll, we'll, you know, get more into that a little bit yeah. uh, later on, right? But they're, you know, doing their 16 teams plus. There's a bunch of other teams that ended up coming in. Does the NBA want to do something like that? The NBA is kicking around a World Cup format playoff system, which I right. despise. Hate that. Horrible idea. Um, there's also the idea, of course, with the 16 teams all seated solely based on record. Right. Uh, being The you 1 know, through 16. We talked about right. that yesterday. And there's also this idea of playing regular season games to, satisfy, to get to 72 to satisfy TV contracts, but they won't matter to the playoffs. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, you know, and, and I don't know if you see it in the same way, right? But I've been saying this for a while. Okay, we have this idea, this vision, and then the devil is in the details. And when they were working that out in baseball, mm -hmm. uh, Blake Snell was like, listen, if the money is not right, I ain't taking the risk, right? Oh, yeah. And that was a storm of... Uh, you know, PR and backlash and then players agreeing or disagreeing, right? Well, is Damian Lillard playing that role for 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 NBA? Because, listen, Blake Snell was like, hey, I see what they're talking about, but I might not do it. And just recently, yesterday, Damian Lillard, an all-star NBA talent, right? One of those banana boat guys, one of those guys that's on the calls with LeBron, okay? Or, you know, part of the Space Jam 2 and stuff, okay? We all know Dame Dollar. He comes out and says, listen, if they're going to do these regular season games and my squad, the Portland Trailblazers, have no chance of, yeah. you know, making it to the postseason, I'm out. I ain't doing it, right? Yeah. And so I think it's a valid point. You know, Blake Snell, I don't like the way he did it, but, you know, there's valid concerns there. Damian Lillard, he's not leading with the money aspect. He's leading with the competitive balance aspect, but he's trying to also tell you, I don't know if I'm with this, you know, and this is even in the context of him being part of what I call the banana boat crew who was saying 75% of players, we really want to do this. But now we see more of the details. And if the Blazers are asked to come on in and kind of play out the string, he doesn't see any value in it. Like compare the situations. Is Damian Lillard not also representing in a very similar way huh, that there's still details here to be worked out, Kev? Well, I think Damian Lillard, though, is doing what's best for Damian Lillard. Like, Blake Snell is thought... To me, I think they're, I think they're quite different, right? Okay. Because Blake Snell is like, listen, you want me to show up here, I agree to take 50%. You want me to consume all the risks, but do it for, like, 10%. That's wild, right? And basically, it's a risk versus reward type of thing when it comes okay. to Blake Snell, right? How is it not risk-reward with Damian Lillard? The risk is injury or catching the virus. Right, but we're talking about way different risks. And we're not even – it has nothing to do with finances. Damian okay. Lillard's like, listen, you need to let me try and get into the playoffs. Because da Damian Lillard's on the Western Conference Finals. I hear, you. Field, I hear right? you. So they're angling, to me, very differently what they're looking to achieve, Right. Damian Lillard's like, listen, I get it. I'm only going to have a finite amount of games to try and do this, but Yusef Nurkic is supposed to be back. I want in on the playoffs. Give me my seven damn games to try and catch the Grizzlies who have had injuries and are young, please, right. right? They're angling to me for very, very different things. Also, though, right, Damian Lillard has to do this in a way because if Damian Lillard is like, kumbaya, it's all good, our games mean nothing, then they're not going to give in to him at all. But Damian Lillard should be angling for this because otherwise his postseason is done. And Damian Lillard is what you can call a legacy type of player. Damian Lillard is someone who is going to, at right. some point, people say, is he one of the hundred best, whatever it might be. So him being in the playoffs matters. And if there was ever a year you wanted in with all the variants in the yeah. world, now is this year. This is the year that you find yourself trying to get into the mix. So this is, to me, the difference because Damian Lillard is saying, I need it on Damian Lillard. This is the thing about it like this. Damian wants to be there. Damian wants to be there playing to get into the playoffs. 
But he's basically saying, if you take away my chance in the postseason, I'm out. You don't think Blake Snell wants to play also, but he's like, ah, but it ain't worth it? In the same way that Lillard is like, nah, but it ain't worth it. The risk is not worth it if I can't blah, 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 make playoffs. What we heard from Blake Snell, right, was a very candid conversation on on a Twitch live stream. Sure was. That did not have, like, purpose behind it, if you will, right? It was him just being like, look, man, I'd love to play baseball, but I'm also just thinking about next season because this doesn't seem realistic. Damian Lillard's like information comes through Chris Haynes, incredibly, incredibly, you know, sure. reputable reporter. And it's to me, it's just it's working a negotiating angle to resume the regular season, because that's the other that is the difference, though, to it. We are talking about different risks, right? Like the yeah. idea of Damian Lillard's like, I'm going to go out there we're even- working the negotiation angle. No. I, I don't know if Blake Snell was even... Blake, to me, all right, so I guess... This, you thought it was, was just authentic was, reaction, right? Yeah, I but think the Blake comment like, is still working the negotiation, the money negotiation in MLB. This right. comment is working the negotiation, right? The competitive balance, the regular season, it's elements of the negotiation kind of in the same way. We're going to talk to George Kurtz, right, soon, right? And there's like 24 teams in this playoff. So who's yeah. to say the 25th team won't have this same kind of thing? You know, in Major League Baseball, we talk about the realignment. Who's to say there, there's a, 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 pitcher, a pitcher that can hit that's not like, oh, what about my legacy? You know, I think if you, if you zoom out a little bit, and I understand that I'm asking us to zoom out, these players are all giving valid concerns yeah. about the details of the proposal. I know. I, like, that's the... So, I guess we, we do somewhat then, like, I believe that everything that Blake Snell said was valid. And I'm not even in, on the camp that's like, I right. wish he said it differently. I'm cool with how he said it, because I yep. got what he was saying. It yep. all worked out for me. I think what's also different, though, is, right, like, Blake Snell said what he said, right? Sure. And it was all this backlash, and ba 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 whatever it might be. Damian Lillard, as you've mentioned, right, is one of the more highly regarded players yeah. in this league. Yeah. So he's, like, I think that basically, I, this is a good way to put it. Adam Silver now is going to have a longer conversation after these comments from Damian Lillard than yeah. maybe the MLB owners had after Blake Snell's comments. Yeah. Because one of the other things that came out about the NBA is they're looking to avoid bad basketball, right? So they don't want to bring back the lower-level teams that have meaningless games and provide fans with this incredibly subpar product, which is not only bad players, but it's on low rest. So basically, it's Damian Lillard highlighting that right and it's confirming what would be the worries of these like adam silver's like man i don't want to bring the blazers back and it's anthony simons out there playing you know 48 minutes a game and it's literally being like that's what's gonna happen i ain't showing up yeah i I, i'm with you and we may be splitting hairs here right and you talk about the kind of the cachet that Lillard has, right, and how he can kind of move the needle. And I, I, I understand that. I also, I just think Blake Snell is doing something similar, and I understand he maybe is not the level that it, uh, Lillard is in the NBA, but we've heard from Mike Trout also, Kevin. You know, we've heard from Mike Trout being like, listen, my wife just had our first kid, and I don't know if I'm down for this, you know? And, and maybe, again, I understand when you think about the Snell comment specifically, how it was, like, really tied to the money, how you can paint that in a different light, right? But if it's if it's Lillard being like, hey, I want a shot at the ring, or if it's yeah. Trout being like, I'm not sure. I want to stay with my wife and my newborn child. Like, mm-hmm. I, I still, and maybe, you know, I'm, 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 I'm lumping them all in in a way that doesn't make sense. But I think my point is, as we get further and further down the road, we yeah. are going to hear individual players, groups of players that have concerns with what the plan is. And mm. thus, the devil is in the details. And, you know, and, and we see this in the NHL as well, right? Gary Bettman just came out, 2014 tournament. And this is going to be awesome, Kev, right? But we don't know what cities it's going to be in just mm-hmm. yet. This may be spread across two countries okay so talk about the details involved in figuring out orlando and vegas or arizona and florida or texas imagine Mm -hmm. having to negotiate between countries imagine the level of international players in the nhl and it's the same kind of thing if 24 teams make it what about teams number 25 and 26 do they want to go at it you know so i still think we're gonna hear these details as well for me it's just a process thing 
when we hear about whatever these things are, baseball's returning, yay! Then we hear some stuff about it. NBA's mm-hmm. returning, yay! Then we hear some stuff about it, right? NHL, we're gonna have a tournament? Awesome, but what are the details? I just think it's kind of a flat thing. When we start to hear the details, players, networks, governments, front offices, they're gonna bristle at this. Yeah, I just think that we're at different levels because to me, right, like we've got, you know, the NBA giving us more and more information. And again, like to me, this is less conversations about money and it's more so Damian Lillard wants to compete for a title. And the NHL, we've got this situation where we know, okay, listen, for seven teams, your season's done, 24, you're going, this is your situation, you're playing best of five. Like, that's a fair amount of details, even though you could say we still don't know if they're actually ever going to be playing. I just feel like Major League Baseball, we are they are still drastically behind the eight yeah. ball. But I am super interested to see uh, how this plays out with the NHL. Because even myself, not being the biggest hockey fan in the world, right. I'd be totally naive to not realize how much this can be correlated to what the NBA is going to do. Like the NBA having these conversations about 16 plus, you won't convince me, is not born from what the NHL is doing here by bringing forth a 24-team playoff system. We talked about maybe the 7 through 10 seeds having a little round-robin play-in tournament in the NBA. And, And the bigger point for me is, and you mentioned it, right, Major League Baseball has to figure this out. NBA has to figure this out. NHL has to figure this out. The NFL gets to sit back and then follow the established blueprint. We shine a light, though, on the NHL. We bring in our guy, George Kurtz. I'll trust him on anything NHL. So let's find out where the devil in the details are when we come back on the early line. We talk about the NHL. Plan to return. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. And I am overjoyed right now as we bring in our guy, George Kurtz, because, listen, we got to talk about the NHL. Big news coming out of the NHL. And to be quite honest, what Puerto Ricans do you know that follow hockey? So we bring in George Kurtz now. (laughs) And I got to tell you, George, listen, I have been saying, I don't know if you've been hearing our shows, but I have been saying, I don't care if it's the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL, that the devil is is in the details, all right? It's all nice to talk about these proposals, but then when we put more meat on the bone and it's the idea of, oh, we're going to play these regular season games or, oh, they're going to take a 70% cut of the playoffs or, oh, we're going to be in these two bubble cities that I call like the Truman Show and the families are going to have to be there too. Once we start to realize all of the kind of silly little details in there, that's where the rubber hits the road. So I got to ask you, when it comes to this NHL proposal, are you seeing this as like, you know, Shangri-La, rainbows and pot of gold and yes, sports? Or are there some details here that still need to be worked out? Oh, there are quite a few details that still need to be worked (laughs) out. When you think about it, all they did yesterday was tell us what we already knew. We've known about the 2014 proposal for at least seven to 10 days. All right. And even listen, the NHLPA will tell you, the owners will tell you, there are a lot of details, as you put it, that have to be worked out. It's nice that they announced it, that they have a formal plan. It's nice that we have an idea when they want to start, which, by the way, would still be mid to late July is when mm-hmm. they want to start here. They don't want to even open up camp mm-hmm. until somewhere late June, early July, two, three weeks. They're going to allow each team to have two exhibition games. You're talking, if they start before August, that sounds about right, and they'll go into really August, September, maybe even October before they finish the playoffs, assuming mm. they get that far. So there are a lot of details to be worked out. It does add optimism. It does add hope. But this is not locked in and a definite to happen. <laughs> uh, so, George, let me ask you, though, for the seven teams that now end up on the outside looking in, do, do they have an argument to be made that, that they're hard done by? I, I mean – to me, I think, well, you were never going to be playoff teams in the beginning, but look, these other teams that, that now get in, like, what's the reaction for the seven, you know, teams and fan bases of those teams that now don't get to see any more NHL this season? The seven teams that are out are Ottawa, Buffalo, New Jersey, Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose, California's just screwed out of this. Ironic, all the California teams. <laughs> right. hmm. California, done. 
Uh, they were just Governor they were, Newsom might have been like, eh, let's draw it at 24 teams. <laughs> they were bad teams. Okay, they were just bad teams. They don't deserve to be there. Detroit's the last mm-hmm. team. Detroit had 39 points, which is a joke. You know, like, there were certain teams that have over 100 points. You had 39. All right, they're a terrible team. That being said, listen, it's our job. No matter what format they put out there, we were going to trash it. Mm-hmm. All right, we were going to point out the problems with it. And this is no different. I would have preferred a 20-team format. Mm-hmm. They, made, they made it to 24 for one reason and one reason only. Besides another round of playoffs, which means more money, they also want the NHL's big on their original six teams. Mm-hmm. All right. And by making it 24, three of those original six get in the Rangers, New York, the Blackhawks, Chicago, the Canadians, Montreal. Three huge markets in the Montreal Canadiens is the equivalent of the New York Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys, sure. and mm-hmm. those sports. They wanted those teams to get in. That's why they went to 24. They're not kidding anybody by that. All right. That's what they did. They wanted to get those teams in. But like I said, there, there was going to be no perfect situation. If you would have went to 20 teams, I could have uh, said, well, what was wrong with that? The seven teams that are out, listen, you weren't going to make it anyway. I think a lot of people, myself included, would have liked to have seen them played out the regular season. But how do you convince those teams, so those players on those teams, mm-hmm. yeah. to come back when you have nothing to gain? Other than that one paycheck. Remember, NHL played about 70 games, some teams more, which means you got seven-eighths of your paycheck. You know, How do you convince those players yeah. to come back and play that for, for no reason. You maybe, maybe you catch the uh, the virus, maybe you don't, but you have nothing to play for. Go through training camp again. Wasn't going to work. I do think, I don't think those seven teams have any leg to stand on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're hearing this in the NBA as well, right? When Damian Lillard comes out and pretty much says the same thing. If I'm out of it, what's, what's in it for me, except for the potential to A, catch a virus or B, tear my ACL. And I don't want to do either one of those, right? So I got to ask you though, you mentioned this plan. George, where they start maybe in July and are playing the playoffs into, uh, you know, October, potentially November. What does that mean, George, for the 2021 season, right? Because whenever they crown a champion, you're going to still have to do all the league business, right, that like the NFL gets to do right now. There still will have to, on some level, be a draft, be a free agency period, be a training camp for the following year. So talk to me about if this plan is actualized. What are we compromising for future seasons? And what is the calculation like? All right, we want to crown a current champion versus what we're sacrificing for next year. Yeah, I, I think the NHL is looking at this as cart before the horse right now. They want to get this season in. They'll worry about next season, next season. Bettman has stated that they want to play a full season next season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not going to start first week in October. Right. right? That's not mm-hmm. going to happen. Uh, in, a, in a regular situation, the NHL playoffs begins mid-April. It ends Mid to late June. So you're talking two months, two plus months. So let's just say for giggles, it does start in July, like mid to late July. Sure. Well, you look at it, that's August, September. You're talking, you'll be done around October. They'll have to negotiate how much time the players get off. You figure October and November, at the very least, you're getting two months off. Right. So you're talking December startup, January startup. I mean, it can be done. You can get a full next season in, but then once again, you're going to go through with an 82-game season. Right. You're going to be playing regular season games into June, probably. And then you do your playoffs again. Right. So you you either play catch-up for years to exactly. come, That's or at point. some point you you cut bait. You know, you gotta you have to cut bait on one of these seasons unless you're trying to gain a month back for like over the next three or four years, which sounds crazy. But let me get let me ask you this: Is that a ba- uh, not a, ba- uh, a bad thing? Mm-hmm. But is it a bad thing to be starting in December mm. or starting? That's in what January? I was going to ask you. Right. Uh, because that's what the NBA is trying to do, George. I think the NBA not, should. Right. Why not spend less time competing with the NFL and more time occupying that space where Major League Baseball is the only game in town? Like, George, I know you're going to need two TVs to make sure you get your Yankees and your Islanders games, or maybe you'll probably DVR one. I'm not sure what your strategy is. But basically, yeah, the NHL should be looking to do that same exact thing probably, right? First of all, I've got three TVs above my fireplace. <laughs> I'm good. Don't worry about it. One of them has to be locked on Sports Grid 24-7, Kurtz. You'd be surprised what I'm watching right about now. Uh, a cake, Korean baseball, I, I don't care. Uh, cornhole? Give me a cornhole tournament, guys. I'll I saw death diving from, like, Poland or something the other day. Guys running up slippery stairs, slap boxing contests. The fans are starved right now, George. Listen, this reminds me of back in the 80s, by the way, when ESPN first came out. You would watch weird crap on the ESPN, like, <laughs> so, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, you are Australian yeah. rules this, and oh, God. 
But as for the NHL, I think Kevin brings out a valid point. Why do you want to compete? Think about when hockey usually starts, first week in October, just as the NFL is ramping up, mm-hmm. and you're going up against baseball playoffs. World Series, yeah. Why would you want to do that? All right? If you're going to go up against the NFL, either way, I understand, oh, you're open in January, you're going to go up against the NFL playoffs. Agreed. But you're doing that anyway. That's your midseason. So either way, you can't avoid that. But at least after you get that out of the way, there's nothing else for a while. Right? And you don't have to worry about the NFL. Just take Sundays off. Right? Because there's no more Thursday night games. College football's done. They generally do that. They don't take it off. But Sunday's a light schedule in the NHL. Always has. But they don't want to compete with the NFL. They're not stupid. Well, they are. But... Uh, they, they pretty much, no, listen, the Islanders had so many home games on Sundays. Like, what are you doing? You're going to get crushed by the NFL. What are you doing? Who sets the schedule? What are you, idiots? Oh, let's have a 5 o'clock Sunday home game. Yeah, you'll do it do real well during those games. Makes uh, no sense there. But I, I do think the NHL will learn from this and maybe start, you know, don't start in October. Start in December. Start in January. So we may see some kind of long-term changes to the sports calendar, you know, because we're going to be double booked in fall of 2020 and how they untangle themselves from that in years to come is very interesting. You know, George, one of the things I've been saying is that any of these agreements for any league, right? It's such a collaborative effort, or it needs to be with different stakeholders here, right? Owners, front offices, the players, television networks, local state governments all have to be kind of on the same page. We saw what happened when UFC 249 was supposed to go off in California and the governor was like, nah, 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 this is not happening. In the NHL, more than most sports, it's not only across states or across cities, there's two countries involved, George. So can you talk to me a little bit about how, and I understand, you know, there's the Raptors and the Blue Jays, I understand that, but this has to really be a collaborative effort among two countries in terms of regulations, testing, travel, potentially. Um, How much of a monkey wrench does that throw into any policy for the NHL? Well, it's actually worse than that. Hmm. Because the NHL is 17% overseas. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have, and those guys were already overseas, right? That's where they went home after the season. Yeah, we saw Homeland Security say recently, like, they can come on back, right? They can come back, but still you got guys coming from... Soviet Union. Yeah. I mean, Alexander Ovechkin, uh, Czechoslovakia. I mean, all across Germany, Switzerland, uh, Switzerland, Finland, Sweden, guys from all over the place. Hockey is an international sport. Yeah. So that has to worry some people as well. The NHL would want two hub cities. They prefer to have one in, let's say, Vegas mm-hmm. and one in a, a Canadian city, mm-hmm. Edmonton, Toronto, Vancouver. They've all been talked about. The problem is, as you mentioned, though, Canada's border restrictions are much tighter than ours right now. I believe the United States has announced that for our athletes, yes, yeah. come in. We, they want to get it started, so they'll do yeah. that. Canada hasn't said that yet. <laughs> All right, so if they Can want... Can you imagine Trump and Trudeau going back and forth about trying to figure this one out, George? No. Not about <laughs> hockey, anyway. Not, not Trump about hockey. Trudeau, sure Maybe Trump. Melania comes in and negotiates this, but I digress. That, that, that's just a nightmare there. But I do wonder if that will not allow Canada to be a hub city. And mm. Once again, we're still four, at least a month before you can think about the training camp and stuff like that. So you got time for that. And since you're really six weeks before, seven weeks before even games would start, you probably have until then for them to negotiate that for the players to cross. But that's another thing they have to figure out. Plus the problems of all these players coming from Europe, coming mm-hmm. from uh, you know Asia, and how they're going to handle them bringing whatever virus they might be bringing. Do they have to be in quarantine for two weeks when they get here? What's the George? What's the attraction of having two hub cities, though? If we're pretty much going to try and make this as neutral site as possible, and there's not going to be a home ice advantage, ideally, what's why do they want one in Canada? Just because that's still where they feel like they have home roots? Yeah, well, it's it's hockey, it's Canada, right? Yeah. That's why. Right. I mean, that, that that is really the only reason I can think of why they want to have one in Canada. And listen, that's fine. There are mm-hmm. only six Canadian teams. It's not really you should, oh, you have to have something in Canada. It's six. Tw- 25 to 6. I mean, you yeah. make an argument there's two here, but maybe they can't get two sites here to agree. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting, George. You know, as I keep saying, the devil is in the details. And while everyone's happy that we've got this, you know, tournament on the horizon, we still have to figure out there's still some I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed. Can you stick around with us for a couple of minutes, George? Anything you guys want. Fantastic. We're about to go to break here on the early line. When we come back, okay, we've set the stage. Now we got to ask, George, 
how do we make some money off of this, okay? Because now with 24 teams in, are there some futures bets that we like? Do you think the brackets would actually benefit some teams better than others? Does the rest help some teams that are have injured guys coming back? We find out all of that and give you the edge for the NHL playoffs. Come on right back. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, on Into the Early Line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. We got our man, George Kurtz. He is my hockey go-to guy. You know, I've made money off of him telling me what to do on in-game live futures bets. He's got hockey locked down. And, George, you know, we see, okay, 12 teams in each conference, but there's still some unanswered questions, right? Five-game series, seven-game series. How will the top four and the buys be determined? There's still... A lot to be discussed, even if we think about just straight up, you know, futures bets and competitive balance for this proposed bracket, right? There is. It's going to be a, a weird situation because the NHL is not even calling it. The regular season's over, but they're not calling that first round a playoffs either. They're calling it, you know, it's sort of like being in Hades. I don't know. You're in heck. <laughs> not in heaven. You're not in hell. You're in heck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's somewhere in between. It's like there. that play-in game in March Madness, right? In Dayton, the first, the last four teams, kind sort of thing. Sort of like that. Yes, uh, it is strange. You're gonna have four teams, the top four teams in each conference, and these are conferences: Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Philadelphia. They get buys, but they're gonna play a round robin. They're gonna play each of the other teams once, so they're gonna play three games. But there's little to gain there. Now the NHL hasn't announced how they might reseed. And you think about this. Think about the Eastern Conference. Boston mm. has 100 points. All right, their next closest team to them has 92, which means nobody was going to catch them for the first overall spot. Is it fair to start from scratch in a three right. games and say, hey, if Boston only gets four points in those three games and Tampa Bay gets six, now Tampa Bay mm. is the one, the one seed? That's not fair. Mm. But what I've heard they might do, which makes this a little – I like this a little bit more, is that they're going to give you amount of, uh, the amount of points depending on where you are. So Boston was number one, you get four points. Tampa Bay number two, three points. Washington two, Philadelphia one, and then you play from there. To so start the rap bobbing. Right. This is where they were Boston would only need three points to gotcha. clinch that number one seed. And if they get it, they can rest the players in the last game. It wouldn't matter. That'll affect betting though, because once right. again, it doesn't matter. Sure. And people got to be aware of this though. I mean, it's like betting the third game in, a, in the World Cup in the group stage, right? Some teams don't have to try to win because of yes. the points that they have, something like that. You're going to need to be very wary. And listen, I don't know if coaches are going to care. I mean, in, in yeah. the first game, a guy gets banged up. Do you care about moving up from the fourth seed to the third seed? If they're going to get him, want to rest that guy, make sure he's healthy for the playoffs. I, I know Tampa Bay has complained about this system because, in, in effect, the teams that play a three out of, the three out of five are playing real competitive games, like right. games, but they're not. But then again, I mean, hey, I'm an Islander fan. The Islanders would switch you in a heartbeat. They'd rather be in the, the seeding thing. Okay, fine. So at least I know I'm going to the second round. I don't think they have a leg to stand on here. What I get concerned about, guys, is in the three out of five round, it's a short series. In the NHL, yeah. you, can, you can compare it to sort of like Major League Baseball in a three out of five. If right. you have a number, a true number one starting pitcher, any team can win that three out of five. So who's, the the NHL, who's the hot goalie? Who's the hot goalie then, George? There you go. <laughs> if you got the hot goalie, I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins complained about this because they were the fifth seed. So they missed a bye by three points, mm-hmm. right? And now they're going to play the 12th seed, which makes you think, oh, they're playing a weak team. Well, that weak team is Montreal. And Montreal's Carey Price, a right. well-rested Carey Price. He could win that series for Montreal. That will be unfair. It'll be something to, for betters to keep an eye on. Guys, I'm telling you, there are going to be eight mm. of these series going on. There's wow. going to be three to four upsets. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind there'll be three to four upsets. Well, last year, George Wright, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember if it was, was it Tampa Bay, like the number one overall team in the league all year got like swept, right, in round they one? They sure did. So hockey sure always. They sure did, because I bet them minus 300. Tough scene, dude. <laughs> I don't feel bad. I did, too. We all lost money on that. <laughs> but, like, thing. hockey already has, like, this wild variance. So now it feels to me like you, you shrink it down to five games. This is all going to get completely out of control. But you alluded to something there, is the idea of the different type of games that are being played in these best-of-five series, 
versus these like, hey, seeding. Does the seeding even matter? You're not getting home ice, right? So that doesn't matter at all. The idea that you're really worried about who you're playing, you don't know who you're playing. Maybe you're better off being a two because, you know, the seven ended up, you know, getting upset or whatever it might be, as opposed to trying to be the one. Like, it almost makes me think that the upset's not only in these these best of five series, but the next round where these top four teams, because what rest, they've already gotten rest. And they're not going to be playing those games hard enough, potentially, right? So it almost seems like this is a very big disadvantage for a lot of these teams that were already set up. I agree with you. I think I think most of us do. I don't think we're going to see true NHL hockey till round three. That's wow. what any everybody will have played. You'll be in, what at least four to six weeks into between training camp and the exhibition games and the rounds. You'll be four to six weeks into playing hockey. I don't think we'll see true NHL hockey until round three. That's why for betting purposes, I mean I'm going to do it, but I, I'm probably going to go more on props than yeah. I am on games. I don't know if I'm going to trust anybody because you until you see them play. You know, we'll watch all the games. Until you see them play, I don't know if I'm going to be able to trust that. Hey, oh, that team looks good. Tampa Bay looks like they always do. You know, because you just don't know. You don't know who's going to play. And another thing to consider is a lot of the players who were injured are now healthy. It's been months. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you think of Tampa Bay Lightning, who in my mind are probably the best overall team in the NHL. They weren't going to have Steven Stamkos, a top Five player, top eight player at worst yeah. in the NHL. They weren't going to have him for round one, maybe round two. Now mm. he's back. He's fine. He's there. So that's good news, right? We'll see the best players playing generally for each okay. and every team. There's no excuses here. But how long does it take these teams to play their style of hockey? We see it all the time, right? Teams get the slow starts. You get the slow start here. All right. See you in January, guys. You're done. Yeah, I mean, George, that's something I was going to ask you, you know, because like in Major League Baseball, you know, you and I are both Yankee fans, right? So James Paxton is ready for opening day now, <laughs> right? And, and, and so is potentially Judge and, and others, right? In the NBA, when I think about it, players that move the needle, like Ben Simmons, may be able to play in an NBA tournament now who would not have been able to. Kevin Durant, John Wall, who knows? You mentioned Stamkos as a com- perfect example of a all-star who would get back with his team. Are there other things like that, George, where you think um, the rest really benefited this team, the way the brackets found, you know, play out really benefits this team, uh, a more veteran-laden team that could use the rest? Are there any other kind of nuggets that you can think of outside of Stamkos where a team is going to benefit from the layout or the rest? Well, besides the teams that uh, wouldn't have gotten in the playoffs that now do. Sure, <laughs> sure. I mean, uh, they, they benefit pretty well. I mean, the sure. Chicago Blackhawks, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tay is going to be in the playoffs, and they were playing well. You think wow. about that. Bad teams mm-hmm. or maybe maybe bad teams is too strong, but teams that weren't going to make the playoffs but were playing so well mm-hmm. at the end, I wonder if they can pick it up. I'm an Islander fan. At the end of the pandemic, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, the Islanders were dying. They were not going to make the playoffs. They were a dying team. You could see it. We see that in sports all the time. They were dying. They were going to go out and go bye-bye. But now they get a second life. Mm. You know, they get a second life because they're going to make the playoffs. Think about the Florida Panthers, a team with as much skill as, as many other teams. But Sergei Bobrovsky, who signed that huge offseason free agent contract with them, he was terrible all season long. Right? He was a trash can in that he gets <laughs> another shot here. Another shot. Well, he was. He was, te- he was awful. He was god-awful. <laughs> I mean, you can make an argument that Chris Dreiger, who's a, a nobody backup, should have been the starting goaltender over him. But because Bobrovsky was making that kind of money, he get, kept getting the chances here. But he gets a second life now. They're going to play the Islanders in the first round. And, and honestly, they should beat the Islanders. And that'll give him a second life, a chance to redeem himself to not only the fans, the media, but to his teammates as well. There are plays up and down like this throughout the NHL. Really, when you think about it, 24 of 31 teams are making it. No one cares anymore what happened October through February. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's only right. going to matter in this short little tournament what you do. So let me ask you then about some of the matchups that we have. I look at the East. It's Penguins, Canadians, Hurricanes, Rangers, Islanders, Panthers, Maple Leafs, Blue Jackets. Of those four from the East, is there one that specifically maybe jumps out to you uh, amongst that group? Well, the one that jumps out immediately would be to, uh, Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets. Okay. A lot of overs there. Mm. I'm already thinking overs. Because Toronto can't stop anybody. Mm. All right, their defense is bad. Their goaltending. I don't want to blame it on Frederick Anderson, but it's a, he's a solid goalie, but not for that kind of team. They need somebody who's better. Columbus has been banged up all year. They're another team that benefits, by the way. They wouldn't have made the playoffs under normal circumstances due to mm-hmm. points per game. But 
Cam Atkinson, who's never been healthy for the playoffs, will be healthy. Seth Jones, one of the best D-men in the league, will be healthy as well. Neither one really will. Seth Jones certainly wasn't. He wasn't going to be back to the end of the regular season. This will be. A, I think this will be a high-scoring series. You're going to see a lot of six, six-and-a-halfs as far mm. as the over-unders there. Still, I think I'm going over here, assuming both teams can play up to their capabilities. Pittsburgh-Montreal, I think, is your best series. Once mm. again, I think that carry Price in Montreal, I'm curious to see how he's playing there. Rangers-Carolina, that's a funny little series because Carolina and the Rangers make a lot of trades with each other. Mm. A lot of trades with each other the last couple of years. Yeah. We'll see how that works out. What about then the West, uh, George? we got the Oilander, uh, Oilers and the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks being the last team that got in. Nashville goes against the Coyotes. Uh, the Canucks against the Wild. And then the Flames and the Winnipeg Jets out there in the West. The Oilanders. I kind of like that. I can name yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Edmonton, Chicago is interesting. I know that's a 5 versus 12. But mm-hmm. once again, Jonathan Tays, Patrick Kane. We Listen, we all love Dry Settle McDay, two of the best players in the NHL. But Edmonton doesn't have much behind that. You know, their goaltending's been interesting. Played well this year at times, but not so well at other times. Yeah. I think that's one of those upsets I could see there, where Blackhawks could possibly win that. They've been in these battles. They know what to do. And they go, Corey Crawford was playing well. But the series I like the most is Calgary and Winnipeg. Winnipeg has always been that, uh, that NHL team. You come home, I watch the NHL, uh, you know, NHL on DirecTV at night. You want to watch Winnipeg because they play weird games, man. They play those 6-5 <laughs> games. They're entertaining huh. games. A lot of, they're an un, they've been undisciplined. So a lot of penalties there, some fighting there. But I think they're a team that could be very dangerous. They could go out in the first round. Calgary's sort of like Florida. A little disappointing. Goaltending an issue, but they should be a better team. Calgary and Winnipeg is a series I can't wait to see. Fair enough. We only got about a minute left here, George. So I want to ask you this. You know, you've been talking about you got three TVs up right now. How are you scratching the sports investing itch right now? You know, you talked about watching KBO, soccer in Belarus. I know you're out there tilling the yard. But when you're not doing that, George, what are you betting on these days? I haven't bet on anything since uh, the sport went away. I, oh, okay. I've only bet on baseball, football. I mean, football, hockey. I can have, uh, you know, Gabe or Cam talk me into a uh, – uh, a basketball bet, if they're really uh, strong on something. I've done that when I've been on a show and they told me, oh, this is a lot yeah. on in-game live. Sure, you can convince me of that. But on my own, no, I only bet what I absolutely have to. I will watch competitive stuff. I wasn't kidding about the cornhole thing. Yeah. You know, I've seen that. Go- I'm not really a golf guy, but I've watched some golf. I like to play golf. I don't watch golf. All right, well, I'll have to see you out there on the 12th fairway sometime soon because I'm trying to hit the ball around as well, a perfectly socially distant kind of activity. But it sounds like when these playoffs do hopefully get up and started, we'll have you back here on the early line to help us make a little bit of cash. Sound good, George? My pleasure, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us today. Kevin? That's interesting to me, man. The devil continues to be in the details. I like when he's mentioning some teams that have guys coming back from injury, the kind of hot teams that can happen. And especially when you're in this playoff format, the idea of the hot goalie could trump everything, Kev. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? And, you know, a guy like George who knows his hockey, like, that doesn't, that's not something that's going to fall on deaf ears. Like, okay, so boom, I'm going to start looking at, you know, the goaltenders that'll really make this difference. One of those 12 seeds is going to move forward. I feel good about that. It's just like March Madness. You got to pick a 12 versus five somewhere. It's just getting the right (laughs) one that will be different. All right. When we come back, it's our number two. We do our roster reset and we shine a light on the defending Super Bowl champions. Our number two. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 